Hello and welcome back to the Velocity Network podcast. My name is Ollie Henderson and since the Velocity Education Cluster adoption team came together for the first time in February 2023, it's grown to include and impact 40 members across the ecosystem. And with the group sparking many new opportunities to impact Velocity's adoption, we're now delighted to be hosting its official launch Over two one-hour sessions, we're going to be explaining why the work of Velocity is so important and relevant to both the employment and education sectors, and how Velocity members are working on the network to build solutions to common problems and improve opportunities for individuals and organisations. In this podcast series, you'll hear from some of the people speaking at the event and others involved in the ecosystem, starting today with Naomi Shakeres. Naomi is Velocity Network Foundation's Head of Global Education Ecosystem Strategy and has been leading the cluster adoption team's efforts. She'll also be speaking at both events and you can now register for the first of those via the link in the show notes. So let's jump straight into my conversation with Naomi. So Naomi, it's great to have you on the show today. Um, I thought it'd probably best to start with a nice broad question to put things into context. Um, so why is it so important for educational institutions to work closely together to drive the adoption of verifiable credentials? Thanks, Ollie. Well, I think the first thing is that, you know, education institutions, if they're working by themselves, they're not getting the full value of the work that they're doing in the sense that they may be issuing verifiable credentials to their students, but it really matters that they're able to have their students and even their own institution interchange with all the other institutions that are working in the space. So it's it's also that, you know, when you think about it to the individual, it's less value to the individual if only one institution is doing it. Because, you know, even how how often is it that an individual attends only one institution in their lives? They may take courses at one institution. They may get a degree from another institution. They may go on to another degree. And then that's usually a different institution. So we can't really predict where people will go. So if only one institution is in the game, you know, it limits the value from that perspective. Uh, We can't make all those assumptions about what a person is going to do with their credentials. Um, In addition, you know, think about it from an employer's perspective. You know, the individual goes to use those credentials somewhere. Does an employer really want to do 25 different things to verify a person's background because an individual has been to multiple educational institutions and their data is held in multiple different places? Do they want to not only for that one individual, go to even more places to verify the next person. You know, an employer, an institution, any verifier would really want credentials aggregated. And that's why it really behooves us to as much as possible work together and kind of consolidate and align the work. Um, And also this, you know, we, we don't talk about this much, but actually our friends over at One Ed Tech will say it very clearly that, you know, in a lot of uh, places, institutions of higher educations are one of the largest p- employers around. Mm. So it's important to think about the institution not only as an education institution, but also as a large employer, and yeah. and 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 think about it from that perspective and their role in the ecosystem, working with other institutions, working within themselves, and it definitely starts to help to band together. Yeah, absolutely, and of course, it begs the question then 
what the limitations are of how not just educational qualifications but other types of certifications are currently issued and shared um so i think that right now you know i kind of alluded to it in my first statement we've got a lot of credentials in different formats and in different places and they're trapped and they're stranded from one to the next and so you know our current credentialing environment really demands that we think about our objectives and those are our you know kind of local objectives and what we were we were attempting to solve for when we got into credentialing in the first place and then also layer on this idea of maximum utility and start to credential in open ways where we're giving the data to individuals and they can consolidate and they can curate and they can use their credentials in more ways than just, you know, for example, right now, posting them to LinkedIn. That's a part of what we want to do, um, but there's more to it. And we want people to be able to get jobs using their credentials and currently having their credentials trapped and stranded on multiple different islands doesn't really get us there. So, you know, and in terms of even claim rates, when you hear about claim rates um, across the board for credentialers, the claim rate is low because people maybe don't see the value in even claiming their, their digital credentials. And so when you start to um, kind of, it's almost like you're putting the credentials on wheels, you're making them valuable to individuals, then those claim rates will go up. And then we'll be able to have all sorts of opportunities, you know, really that we haven't even thought of. And uh, all sorts of, you know, opportunities to, you know, match people and jobs within digital wallets and, and even do complex analytics in terms of placing people and moving people based on their skill sets. So right now, those are really beyond what we can do because we really haven't enabled that aggregation of credentials for the individual. And, you know, from the institutional perspective, the last thing to mention and really keep in mind is that where we are is we're in a cost prohibitive type of model where it costs so much to issue one credential that an institution is really limiting the scope of what they issue to individuals. And if you think about an individual really using their credentials to get a job, to get employment, to get into the next school, to get their next opportunity, all of their credentials should be um, itemized and should be uh, verifiable digital credentials to enable that person to to use their full selves and to present their full selves. And so we have to leverage models that make it more effective for institutions to open up those really rich, broad stores of data that they have about individuals so that those can be useful, not only to the individuals, but also to the institutions. Again, I said institutions are employers. They're huge talent pipelines in themselves. And, and this really is about enabling that full life cycle of talent. Mm. And you're working very closely with Velocity members and leading that education cluster. So what opportunities are unlocked specifically by Velocity that the education cluster are most excited about seeing? Hmm. I think a couple of things. I mean, I think, you know, all the benefits that I mentioned in terms of um, allowing people to use their credentials in practical ways. And I think that the education cluster right now brings together a lot of organizations that are interested in that. They want to use um, 
uh, credentials in practical ways with individuals and employers, but they've got kind of smaller scale of what they've been thinking about doing. And so the ed cluster is really an environment where if one project, for example, in a state connects with the next project in a state and connects with the next cluster of institutions working on another use case, uh, we'll start to see uh, broader um, adoption and broader connectivity between those different projects so that we will be able to scale and fill in the gaps and have really meaningful growth in the space. But I think the other thing is that these institutions and these entities are benefiting from um, really being able to work together and harmonize the work that they've been doing and really break some of even their old, you know, mental constraints about how the ecosystem has to evolve, where even proponents of a certain credential type are saying, okay, well, that's the end goal to be able to issue that particular data schema to individuals. But maybe in the short term, we should take something more primitive and make it a verifiable credential and at least get people used to using verifiable credentials so that we can get you know, individuals in the game and we can get mass issuing and we can get jumpstart mass adoption and then we'll go and evolve to more refined credential types. So I think that what is cool about the Ed Cluster is bringing together different organizations with different use cases and their their objectives and being able to put them together and think kind of cross-functionally and cross-geographically and, and cross you know, even borders and perspectives to come up with solutions that we can just jumpstart the work for all of us. And obviously there's, there's many members now who are involved in the education cluster. Um, so there's probably too many use cases to cover in a short podcast, but what use cases I suppose it would be worth highlighting to listeners? What are we likely to see emerge over the next year or so? Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's a few different ones. I mean, the Ed cluster is definitely very closely connected to the healthcare cluster where our central message is, you know, issue everything you have. Like we're obviously more on the issuer side than the relying party side in terms of the use cases that we have, because, you know, an educational institution is first thinking of themselves as educators, thinking of themselves as employers, you know, so um, from the education perspective, a lot of it is issuer side. We're closely connected to the healthcare cluster. And our mission is, you know, our, our message is rather, you know, issue your credentials, open up your data stores, make them verifiable digital credentials that can connect to all the other um, parties that are working on velocity. But if you're stuck, you don't know where to start, we'll start with healthcare. You know, because there is a ready audience for that work already forming in another, um, you know, cluster. And so, you know, really excited about some of the work that Greenlight is doing to to enable their existing platform and credentials and customers for um, participation, you know, certifier opening up their data stores and institutions to participating on Velocity. Nuevos Medios in Latin America. Latin America is very advanced with respect to digital credentials, so interested in their use case. Um, University of People really showing us the global view of that Velocity absolutely works globally. And we don't have to worry about the wallets not being accessible and it being cost prohibitive. They've proven out it absolutely works. You know, Aon is proving that assessments work in terms of proving 
with an education credential that maybe people don't know so well. Well, what does this mean? What skills does a person have? Well, assessments can sometimes be an additional force to prove that not only does a person have a degree, they've got the skills for it. Um, so those are some interesting use cases, I think, that are already coming out. And then we have a number of organizations that have some tremendously powerful use cases, like U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation is working with a number of entities and could, you know, unleash what what, what they call learning and employment records to to millions and millions of people across the US. Um, WGU and IQ4, they're leaders in the space and even some of their projects that they work on you know, within their data stores, but also as advisors and participants in larger projects are thinking through how to make them velocity enabled for that global reach and scalability. Um, Grand State Valley University with their consortium of education institutions really, you know, trying to think we don't want to just think about ourselves. We want to think for the end game. And the end game is being globally mobile and interoperable with all the employers that are bringing on their HRS systems. You know, and I can go on, you know, EBSCO, CBAN, a number of different states, particular use cases around teacher certification and pilot with Randa and Ronstadt. There are, there's, you know, upwards of 25, 30 organizations that are thinking about their work related to education. And there's so many different, you know, dimensions of the education sector, but there's also so many opportunities for these organizations to, to do their work and have their work connected to all the other work that's going on out there and really build out our global ecosystem. Brilliant. Well, um, before we wrap up, I wonder whether there's any kind of closing thoughts or anything you'd say to the current, but also members that might join Velocity in the near future. I think the number one thing is, you know, why walk down a path that's we know is limited and then have to do it again to make it unlimited? Mm. It seems, you know, that's one of the things that I, I think makes me most nervous as I work day to day when I hear people pursuing projects and they say, oh, we'll get to that later. Why do it later? It, you know, Velocity is open source technology. It's free to, to grab any of the components and integrate them within your work now today. And you instantly can be connected to all of the great work that I mentioned. And so I think, you know, that's kind of my big message is, you know, join Velocity. There's multiple avenues, you know, for-profits contribute to membership dues, but other non-profits are free. There's startup programs for smaller businesses. There's no reason not to join Velocity and get the support. If you don't want to join Velocity, you don't have to. You can do all this stuff just by going to the website and the documentation is all free and open and readily available. So why would you not do that and then have to retrofit your solutions later when you can get the benefits of velocity and everything today. So I think that's really my big message is don't do it later. Do it right now because there's no reason to wait. And that's my conversation with Naomi. As I said at the beginning of the show, if you'd like to register for the first event, you'll find a link in the show notes. Over the coming weeks, you'll hear from more people speaking at both events as well as others involved in the ecosystem. So I'll see you here again next week.